Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. For sure, I think if I get to drive more and more and more, uh, for sure, you know, I'm going to feel more comfortable. I nearly told him to calm down in the end. I'm like, mate, you're making me stressed. I'm stressed enough as is. In 2014, Chaz Mostert and Paul Morris won Bathurst. The race finished at almost 6.30 and 5.2 million people were watching at the end of that race. So a quarter of the Australian population watched Chaz win that race. That's a pretty you know, compelling figure to, to drop on anybody. <laughs> From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Welcome, race fans, to another week of Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock here with Craig Lavelle. Hello, Craig. Good evening, Tony. Um, well, it's race week, isn't it? Everyone's got their game faces on, and we're looking forward to what quite possibly is the best race of the year, but for the fact that there's 53, 54 years of history at Bathurst, which probably tips the general um, public over to being the most important race of the year. It certainly is one of the great events as well as the great races. And a great event that the South Australian Motorsport Board created with obviously V8 Supercars help and Avesco as it was then and have built it up over the years so that annually now it is at close to 300,000 people attending over the four days. It is a stupendous event. And this year is fantastic because there are so many of our major categories that are very exciting. You know, GT coming off the uh, great event of uh, the Battle of 12 Hours, competitors now going into sprint mode. TCM, where we're going to have 30 cars, and I think you'd have to say it's probably, it gets, quality gets better each year as more and more cars get sorted and built and things like that. And one of the great things is one of the hot young talents in this country in Thomas Randall has just come back from New Zealand winning the first ever Toyota Series for an Australian. Yes, it was a great performance, wasn't it? And uh, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for him to start moving up through the uh, motorsport ranks. Yes, indeed. And and, uh, the whole of the TCM is uh, very excited with so many new combinations like Steve Johnson getting back into the car they call Sally, the ex-John Bauer Mustang, uh, John, of course, still in the Tirana, Jim Richards out there and his Javelin, you know, just so many combinations that are very, very exciting. Then the development series with at the other extreme where the young guys will be starring, um, you know, the return of Gary Jacobson and Jack LeBrock, their first and second in last year's series, and they'll be uh, again tussling, but they've got a new breed of young guys coming in. Mm. What is interesting, though, is the fact that we have got that mix of stable, uh, well-credentialed runners in that, and then the the new guys that are looking for their their way up and their way to try and actually leapfrog the guys that haven't made it through to the main game yet. So that's going to be interesting. It's also going to be very interesting to see how the Super 2s shape up with Friday races. And I think that's critical for supercars plans to shorten the weekend. If they have a high-quality Friday program, which might not involve main game uh, main game cars, they can then look at the uh, possibility of shortening the weekend. Um, admittedly, 
if you've removed the Super 2s to Friday and there's so many teams now that are supported by main game teams, it might not shorten the event for everyone. But I think it's the steps, it's those baby steps towards shortening the race weekend, which I know is high on the agenda of supercars management. Uh, yes, and of course that then brings in that uh, terrific, I think, terrific result where, again, it's back to two 250k races. Um, you know, they did for for several years, they ran a two 125km uh, races on the Saturday, which I don't think were as strong. I mean, it's one of the things we'll talk about, in fact, after the break with Jack Perkins. The difficulty of going out, the opening hit of the year is one of the most difficult. And then you have to back up a 250k race again on the Sunday. It is a real challenge. Interesting, the temperatures are forecast for next weekend in the 37, 38s, uh, which means internal car temperatures certainly in the 50s. So that's a challenge, and we'll find out from Jack about that. Mm. Yeah, in fact, I, I pulled up the BOM just before we came on air. 21 to 36 on Thursday, 20 to 34 on Friday, 19 to 33 on Saturday, and 19 to 30 on Friday. And uh, unlike last year, all four days, zero chance of rain. Ah, okay. Well, it will be a a fast race, and we hope we don't ever see a return to that tragic, uh, well, near tragic, uh, for Stevie Owen when he uh, severely overheated. I went and visited Steve in hospital and talk to the doctors in there in the Adelaide Hospital about Steve, who severely overheated with a failure of a, a, a cool suit, and they had never seen temperatures. And considering that's the hottest, uh, hottest state and the driest state in this country, they'd never seen temperatures on a human being who was still alive. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it'll be uh, interesting to see, and a challenge, of course, for both young Alex Rollo, the 16-year-old, and 28-year-old uh, Simona de Silvestre who has to challenge having a roof over her head. Indeed. After the break. Sorry. Oh, sorry. And uh, whilst we're talking about Simona, of course, next Wednesday is International Women's Day, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, Simona's weekend pans out like because there is a lot of pressure on her. At the same time, there's no pressure on her. And that that sounds like an oxymoron, and it's probably being said by one, but... uh, Anyway, it, it is in a, uh, an interesting position on how she's going to attack this, uh, this season and then how she's going to attack her supercar career in general. And certainly uh, we talked about supercars having desires to change the formats, bring down the cost of racing by not being away as much. Well, they are looking for what opportunities having a, a high-quality female racer in amongst the other competitors is going to bring for the sport. After the break, we'll come back with Jack Perkins in his new role as a motorsport ambassador for the Australian, for the Adelaide event, South Australian event, and also discuss with him his return to the development series. He hasn't been in since full time since 2014, so after the break, we'll be back. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. 
www.inside.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back, fans. We're here now with Jack Perkin and Craig Ravel talking about Jack's return to the development series. First of all, debuted back in uh, 06, I believe, in the Fujitsu series, Jack. Yeah, that's exactly right, guys. Uh, great to be back on the show, and great to be back in the uh, Dunlop series. I'm, uh, you know, I haven't had this excitement actually since 2006, to be honest with you. It's been a few years now since I've been on the grid at Adelaide, and it's just, it is great to be there as a driver. So, for me, it does remind me of that first time back in 2006, and uh, I'm just really excited to get back on the circuit, to get out there and get racing. Can't, can't wait. Yeah, the team you're driving for, you haven't driven before for Terry Whitehorn and Dragon? That's correct, yeah. It's a new partnership, and uh, you know Terry's a guy that's been around in Australian motorsport for a very long time and been very successful back in the Thunderdome days and uh, you know, I was really impressed when I first went down to his um, to his teams and uh, had a look around and uh, you know they probably haven't had the results they deserve in, in supercars racing but uh, Terry runs a great show and um, you know, when I, like I said when I first went down there and had a look at his facilities I was very impressed and uh, you know he's, he's keen to get his hands on these new car of the futures and uh, that's where Tony Clean and, and Dragon come about because they own two of the cars and it's, it's been a great partnership um, to put together and uh, you know, I can't thank both Terry and Tony and their respective teams, Image and Dragon enough for uh, giving me an opportunity Now you've um, driven obviously lots of cars for the future in several different teams you haven't driven these, these are Gary Rogers cars I have actually this is the exact car I drove with uh, Scotty McLaughlin back in 2013 so oh, I know right. oh, very well yeah, I know the chassis very well, and um, you know it was good to get back in it in the pre-season testing. And look, it's it's a good car. I mean, uh, you know the Gary Rogers guys have had success in Volvo terms, but you know the under the skins very similar. And uh, we saw last year with James Golding and uh, Richard Musket in these cars as well. So looking forward to uh, you know continuing that success. Now there's a couple of young guys, or young guys and girls, because Renee Grace is your teammate. But there's a couple of uh, young people in other cars that you wouldn't have raced against. Guys like uh, Anton T. Pasquale? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've raced against a lot of them, but uh, certainly this new breed coming through, there's a lot of talented drivers, and Pasquale certainly one I've got on my crosshairs as someone that's going to be hard to beat this year. He's in good equipment, and he's a very talented competitor. So, you know, certainly not going in with any bold predictions on how we're going to go, but we're going to put our best foot forward, and hopefully that's good enough to taste some success. While at 31, you're certainly not one of the senior drivers. It's you're, In the experience, you've done an awful lot in your young years. Yeah, exactly. I'm still, I still feel quite young, and I've got a lot of experience now. So, um, you know, I feel like I'm in, in good position to, to help this team along, not too dissimilar to what I did with Eagles and Motorsport back in 2013, really put their team on, help put their team on the map with some good equipment, good results, and, you know, they've been a force to be reckoned with in recent years. 
in the development series. So looking forward to using my experience to really help the team along, to help Dragon and to help Image and really cement themselves in the development series moving forward. One thing possibly now we could just look at your ambassadorial role with the South Australian Motorsport Board, or more to the point, the Clipsal 500. You, this is your third year doing it? Yeah, so for many years now I've been involved excuse me, I've been involved with the event as a motorsport spokesperson and their team it's been uh, you know, a great role for me. It's a it's an event you don't want to miss, so if you can't get on the grid as a driver, you wanna be there uh, in any fa- in, in in any capacity. So for me to be representing the team, the Clipsal five hundred event team, uh, as a spokesperson for all things motorsports, you know, really good for me. And I've enjoyed doing it. And, um, you know, this year's no different. We've got a, a number of activities that I'll be doing throughout the weekend. And, uh, you know, really looking forward to being part of the event. Jack, you've you've really diversified your racing career, haven't you? You've, you've been racing in the Bort Sedans where you had last year another solid season in the Audi. How are you finding life as a, as a journeyman? Uh, yeah, look, uh, everything I do... Uh, in, in motor racing terms, I call that my weekends. Everything I do on my weekends is, is just a bonus these days. Um, I find myself quite busy during the week uh, doing what I'm doing with Perkins Engineering, and then when I get to pick up things on the weekends, it's yeah, it's an absolute bonus. So the, the main core of my racing is still the endurance races, and I still really enjoy driving in the endurance races, especially with James Courtney, and I've built a great uh, relationship there with those guys and girls. So that's the main part of it and then when, when the opportunity came to do some racing in the sports sedans that was a, another great opportunity that presented when Darren Hossack uh, got injured so the opportunity there has been really good and I've really enjoyed driving with John uh, and his team, they prepare a great car and it's incredibly fast and there's some tracks where nearly three or four seconds quicker than what the bad supercars are so to, to do that and, and coupled with what you said, some media stuff, whether it be the spokesperson this weekend for the Clipsal 500 or doing some stuff with Channel 10 and RPM, yeah, I just enjoy being involved in motor racing if I can't be a driver. You... It's a very positive thing for Adelaide, I think, for the event to go back to the 250k race. Decision to go back to it, do you know anything, the thinking behind it? Yeah, I mean, the decisions come about generally through what the fans want and... Uh, Many years ago when uh, the Clipsal 500 team uh, put it to the fans, so what they wanted was you know, a bit more racing and they came up with the idea on Saturday to split those two races. And uh, you know, it would appear that uh, after a couple of years that you know, it's been decided to go back to the, to the traditional format from uh, collaboration through the teams, the drivers and also the fans. And uh, I think it's, 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 it's a good idea. Look, I think that the best thing about the Clipsal 500 event team is they're very open to change and, you know, they didn't want the product to be stale. Um, so they, they freshened it up for a couple of years and, you know, decided to go back to what, what was working for them in the past. And, uh, you know, I think it's the drivers are really pleased with that and um, I think the fans are too. It's going to be a whole weekend, but uh, it's a typical format where, you know, the big, the big race on the Saturday and the big race to back up on the Sunday. You're someone who's done it now a number of times. Um, it, it must be incredibly tough, particularly when you get those high temperatures. Uh, and, you know, equate it with going and playing the AFL Grand Final or NRL Grand Final when you haven't played all season. It, it must be very hard, to, you know, the opening race for the weekend, uh, for the year, rather. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's 
brutal conditions when the ambience quite hot and especially in the Adelaide summer and you know we've got temperatures in excess of 35 degrees this weekend forecast and if you add that uh, the cabin temperatures are generally 20 to 30 above ambient so we're going to be staring at temperatures of around 60 degrees inside the car and that's difficult when you've got three layers of fireproof clothing on and the drivers will be losing between two and three kilos an hour and um, you know you really need to make sure the cooling in the car is working as, as good as it can um, but it's just an event that throws so many curveballs uh, for all the drivers, whether it be uh, crashes, reliability issues, safety cars. And last year we saw the heavens open up um, and really create a- anything. So, yeah, anything can happen here at the Clips of 500, and it's um, you know it certainly won't be any different this year. And it gives us our first real form guide of the 2017 Virgin Australia Supercar Championship with all the drivers sort of heading out for the first time uh, in a qualifying and practice sessions and races, of course, for the year. So it's, um, you know, as always, a really good form guide for the rest of the season. Jack, you're, you're a well-spoken, very thoughtful person in motorsport terms. Are you doing any mentoring with younger drivers? Uh, not not directly, not anything official, but, you know, if there's a young, a young person there that I can give assistance to, I, I definitely will at any given time. So... You know, I've been involved, as we've spoken about, at the sports sedans, and I walk around the paddock, and, and if anyone wants to hear any advice, um, you know, I give it to them. And uh, I did that a couple of guys in the Kumo series last year, but, uh, you know, I still find that I'm, I'm busy learning my own uh, driving experiences, and any time I go to the racetrack and, and, and drive a car or even watch people drive around, the, the learning caper doesn't stop for me either, but... You know, if there's a young guy out there that wants to listen to anything I've got to pass on, I'd be more than too happy to pass it on. Maybe we'll just take advantage of uh, the fact that you do work with your father and find out what he's up to, because he certainly is one of the legends and icons of Australian motorsport. Yeah, no, Larry's uh, going really well. It's a question I get asked quite a lot, how Dad's going. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's trucking along really well, just mucks around at his factory, uh, tinkering with... A couple of old Land Rovers that he's exploring, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he still goes into work every day and does that, which is which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, he's got a couple of Mercedes Unimogs. He travels around the country, and a lot of people might have seen the documentaries with the Daryl Beatty adventures that he's been a part of. So that's sort of what he enjoys doing, and um, you know, he's just loving life uh, away from the racetrack. Uh, Jack, uh, putting your ambassador hat on once again, of course, Clipsal announcing they're uh, not going to be continuing on their sponsorship of the Clipsal 500. How do you see the legacy that Clipsal has left with this race? No one remembers it as the sensational Adelaide 500. It's very well established in the lexicon of the Clipsal. Yeah, I mean, Clipsal have been tremendous supporters of uh, of this event for many years now. And like you said, the first one was sponsored by the government and then they were lucky enough to pick up Clipsal. And like I said, you know, everyone refers to the event as the Clipsal and it's going to be a tough one to shake. But, you know, nothing's forever and we've been grateful of their, you know, extremely grateful of their support in, 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 in uh, supporting this event in many years. But next year will be something new. And I know the team, especially the marketing team, have been working hard and the sales team have been working hard behind the scenes to get a replacement sponsor. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to sending Clipsal out uh, with, with tremendous success this weekend in what will be their last event. And, 
you know, hopefully uh, there's a couple of new winners standing on the podium come Sunday afternoon. Mm, I've got a feeling it's going to have that uh, same legacy as uh, Indy. It must be 10 years since an Indy car was around the Gold Coast, but everyone still refers to it as that. Yeah, well, I must admit, when we first started the development series in V8 Supercars, it was called Conicas, and we never thought we'd stop calling it Conica. And we've, since then, we've had Fujitsu and Dunlop, so look, uh, everything will um, take place, and I'm sure that the new sponsor will will uh, move in and uh, we'll, we'll be calling it that for sure. You're forgetting also, Jack, that immortal year when it was called the Performance Driving Centre at Development Series. <laughs> yeah, it's had a few names, but... Um, you know, like I said, it's you know, we've been very grateful over the years to have Clipsal support the event, and it's become such a massive event here in South Australia, one of the biggest events uh, that they have on their calendar. And the, the month of uh, February and March are massive here with the Fringe Festival and Royal Co- Croquet Club in town as well. So there's some big things going on in Adelaide, and I'm sure once the Clipsal contract is finished, there'll be another replacement sponsor. But we're looking forward to celebrating the final year of Clipsal being on board. What year was the first one you went to uh, in Adelaide that ran that track? Yeah, well, I went to the very first one in 1999 and, um, you know... 85. Oh, the Formula One Grand Prix you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the first Clips of 500, but I never went to one of the Formula One Grand Prix here, which is a bit of a shame because I heard it was a tremendous event. But uh, you, were, you were there at the first uh, Adelaide uh, race, the V8 race. Correct, yeah, back to the, to the first Clips of 500 I was there, which I remember being as hot as what it is now, and uh, my old man was still racing then, and it was an unknown quantity. The drivers doing 250Ks, and they didn't have cool suits back then, so it would have been a very difficult time, but, uh, you know, it's just grown and grown from strength to strength, and it's really cool to come to a race meeting where the whole town just gets behind it and everyone's talking about it. And you'd remember that first fateful day on the Saturday afternoon, after the race when both your father and Dick had both had engine problems and Cochrane running down pit lane saying, you can work on the cars, you can work on the cars. Yeah, look, the show's certainly improved a lot over the years in terms of the professionalism and the rules and bits and pieces, but, you know, the, you know, the, the household names always put on a great show as they do now and, uh, we, you know, the event, as I said, is continuing to show that it's one of the best ways to kick off the championship, isn't it? We just get really excited for this event and... It's uh, always one that draws a big crowd, and um, you know it, it all started way back then, like you say, when Dick Johnson and Larry Perkins and those guys all came to the unknown and got the old F1 track going again and put an event on. So, like I think it's uh, you know it's been really cool what they've been able to achieve over here. It would be hard to believe that it would not meet anybody's expectations of a great motor racing event. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, it's just just a great town, great atmosphere. Well, we've touched on the weather's thrown up curveballs over the years, but traditionally it's been quite good. And, you know, the championship's just going from strength to strength. We've had something like 11 winners last year. We had a new champion in Shane Van Gisbergen, and we're looking forward to whatever this year presents, which I'm sure will be some good hard-fought racing and plenty of people trying to grab that number one off Shane. And I hope you all enjoy your racing as well as your role in, as an ambassador for the event. And uh, we'll thank you very much, Jack, for joining us this, this week. And look forward to uh, looking at the results and seeing how it all goes for you. Excellent, guys. Look, great to be back here at Clipsal, and uh, thanks for your wishes, and looking forward to getting back in the race car. Got in you, Jack. Thank you. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two lovers to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back. We're getting ready for a very exciting weekend in Adelaide with so many new events, uh, so many new combinations rather. Nine drivers in the main series have changed. Um, there's the marrying up of engineers and drivers. There's, uh, there's new engineers who are now working in new teams like Rue Lacroix. Um, and many other young uh, combinations of drivers and engineers to get together and work out how they'll make their car fast again. Yeah, Lacroix is going to be an interesting one because obviously um, he is so experienced and working with a driver that's very talented in, of course, uh, Scotty McLaughlin, it's going to it's going to give Scotty, you know, that stability of a very, very experienced wise head in his ear, um, which I think was always one of the great benefits for him at at Gary Rogers. With Richard Holway, yes, you're very right. It, it, it will be an interesting year in so many different facets. And one of the ways in which it will be interesting is that uh, to see those combinations of drivers in teams, to see the pairing up of them, because they obviously have to work well. Clearly, at Triple Eight, they had that well sorted with Shane coming in and joining Craig and Jamie, and that worked phenomenally well. Didn't quite get the uh, one, two, three they were hoping for. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Craig actually uh, gets backed up for another new year. But there are so many others that, that Jason Bright returning to what was FBR, now PRA. Uh, see him working with young drivers such as Cam uh, Waters and Chaz Mostert. Hmm. And, and that one is going to be an interesting pairing because they were obviously very well matched. Uh, the previous times they were together. So uh, I, I think with Adam DeBore's experience over at Penske and then coming back to, once again, an atmosphere and a culture that he understands, he he won't take too long to uh, slip in there. And and you have to think he's a bit of a, uh, he's a bit of a horse whisperer, isn't he, when it comes to young drivers? Yes, indeed. Um, interesting also, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago to Chaz, and that, you know, he certainly believes that there are no uh, repercussions from his accents that we use. He feels he's 100% ready with only minor things still to come over from uh, the damage when he crashed in uh, 14. Of course, Tony, you mentioned nine driver pairings or, or driver combinations changing, but did you include the one that's not announced yet? And obviously oh, yeah. over at Lucas Dumbrell. There's still a lot of speculation there, although you would have to think supercars are hoping that a Novocastrian might become a, a mainstay of the main game. Certainly, yes. Aaron Russell uh, is well-deserved of coming back. Um, he'll, uh, he'll actually have to uh, make sure that they try and get a bit more speed out of the car for him because he did seem to suffer when he was uh, at the Erebus team and not quite being able to, to get closer up the pack than he was. 
But, yeah, he certainly well-deserved, and you're right, with a new event at Newcastle this year, which is tremendously exciting for that city, and certainly one that uh, well-deserved to be going there. And, of course, when you think about it, he... Uh he has been a little bit uh, buffeted about and hasn't had any stability. Now, we don't always look at Lucas Dumbrell as the most stable of places, but you'd think that they, with what they showed last year with Nick Perkat and Andre Heimgardner, they are showing signs of, of becoming a solid team. Yes, indeed, and you know, one can only hope that that will occur this year. And so, Craig, we're getting ready for this weekend of racing. Uh, who do you think will be best placed to post their first win for the season? Well, of course, James Courtney. He's got two great uh, two great wins there in the last two years, three in total. You've got Nick Perkat, who uh, you can never write off Brad Jones Racing. They always seem to come out of the box at the beginning of their season so strong. Gee... If Clipsal isn't the house that Jamie Wincup built, 10 wins. Next best is his, is his uh, stable partner in Craig Lowndes with six. I think it's very hard to go past seeing Jamie Wincup on, on the top step of the podium. Now, I, I don't know how many of those 10 wins might have been those uh, silly 125 race wins, but I don't think it was many of them. I think actually he's won 10 to 50 races, but uh, I'm sure uh, Adrian... Uh, sorry, I'm sure that Aaron Noonan or someone like that will come up and blow me out of the water with, with that stat anyway. But uh, I think it's going to be hard to go past Jamie Wincup. He's got a point to prove, and he knows the track extremely well. What about well, you, Tony? Well, no, it's an event that can be won from the rear of the grid, as Craig has shown several times. Um, but the one uh, thing that's this different this year is that there's two shootouts. First time ever, there's a shootout on the Sunday as well. And, of course, uh, there's one man in that pack who has made a name for himself as being almost the shootout king, Van Gisberg, and the current champion. He uh, he just does tremendously well when he gets that opportunity to be in the shootout. So it certainly will be one to consider and look and think about uh, the inter-time team rivalry between those three, as well as uh, FPR getting back onto the podium and maybe someone, someone new. A Lee Holdsworth or a uh, uh, one of the other new, newer teams. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how it rolls out, and you can't write anything off as Nick Perkett showed last year. Indeed not, indeed not. So after the break, we'll come back with our final thoughts. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, that's another show for another week. We get ready for that great event in Adelaide. It's worthwhile reflecting, really, on this time when it's quite sad that Clem Smith died. Now, he certainly had a very good innings. And when we think about the South Australian Motorsport Board and what they built in Adelaide, it should be remembered the great track that Clem built out of Malala. It was a wonderful event. I was lucky to be go there on several occasions and see firsthand the grassroots of South Australian Motorsport.
And we know, of course, that, that you know, we could never have seen the Kutzel 500 occur out there on the plains near Gawler. But it's very necessary to have these tracks, these permanent facilities, where young drivers can hone their skills. Without them, it's nowhere, because, of course, permanent road courses are only so much in what they can do to prepare a driver for going overseas, for instance. But it's worthwhile thinking back and remembering that great man in South Australian motorsport, first as a driver back in the 50s and 60s, and then as somebody who ran a track, beautiful track at Malala. Mm, indeed. And... Uh... Of course, let's not forget. Yeah, well, let's not forget about those qualifying races that they used to have to have out at Malala just to get onto the Clipsal grid. They were uh, certainly a very different time in the sport. But my final thought is the Super Twos. We talked about the Friday race earlier in the show. I am quite interested to see how the wild cards go. I I am tossing between the opportunity for a driver to get himself you know, a, a, a position, an unlikely position in the main game for the following year? Or are they vanity projects for people who just want to have a car on the grid in a in a big race that's not, you know, one of the, uh, the double-ups? And I, I don't know, Tony, I, I'm still on the fence, but we're going to see Jack LeBrock base his entire season on a program of Super 2 and main game uh, main game wild cards and of course Pertec Cup races. So it will be very interesting to see how those wild cards per- perm out. For Jack LeBrock, there's no vanity in it. He's trying to get himself into the main game. But I'm wondering if someone out there might just think, yeah, I want to have a car in X race and goes about putting it together. That's my well, final thought. Anyway, we'll know that little bit more about how this season is going to pan out. So we'll look forward to. Being here again, Craig, and discussing this and many other new topics for the 2017 Supercar Series. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Supercars.